trooper. Turn that gang down. Please, sir. Check, 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 check. Romans 16. Is that still too loud? It sounds weird. At 1015, it did not sound like this. Turn that gain down some more, Cooper. Check one, two, check one, two. All right. We're just going to go with it. Um, the end of the road. We began back in January studying the book of Romans, and we've come now to the end of this study, and, and um, I'm sad to see it go because it's my favorite book of the Bible, number one, and number two, I have no idea where we're going next. <laughs> and so it's pretty easy when you know every week, hey, Romans is next week. So anyway, um, I, I hope we can kind of do it justice as we conclude this series this morning and, and um, I know and believe God will use this to encourage us or challenge us or maybe to convict or whatever. I know God will use his word uh, this morning. I, I, I've prayed and asked him to. So if you have found Romans 16, find verse 25. And if you found it, say word. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. We're going to break down these three verses quickly this morning and I hope bring a fitting conclusion to the study of, of Romans. Kind of the main point I want you to see uh, here is that God establishes us in the faith. Uh, verse 25, he very plainly says there, now to him that is of power to establish you. That means to, to establish there means to strengthen us by setting us on a solid foundation. Uh, it, it, it's, it, it speaks of this inner security that God gives us by which we're able to handle the crazy things that we deal with in this life. And to be established by God, so as to be strengthened, to be set on a foundation, and to have this inner peace or comfort or hope and security uh, that God is there to help us. And I think as I kind of was meditating on that first phrase uh, about God establishing us, I think um, one of the goals of the Christian life is not that we would become perfect, not that we would get everything all everything together, because we know we're, we're as Christians we're still a mess sometimes, but to know that God does give us something that the world does not have, right? The world goes through tough times. Where do they look for answers? Many different places. When we go through tough times, where do we go for answers? Where do we go for strength? Where do we go for stability? We go to the Lord, our God, our Father. We pray, we come to church, we seek his word, and we, we grow in that way, and we, we deal with stuff. And, and I was thinking about this, and then the other day I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was like, you know what? He said, I think, and he was being serious. He said, I think everybody I know should be in therapy. I was like, physical therapy? He was like, no, <laughs> not physical therapy like mental therapy and I was like 
And so I was kind of laughing, but he was like, no, I'm serious. He said, think about it. He said, everybody I know, and he's probably my age, but everybody I know is going through stuff. There's some truth to that, right? Some of us may need to be in therapy, but there's some truth to that because we all, no matter how old or young or no matter what's going on in life, we're all dealing with something. And, 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 from, and from year to year, from season to season, we go through things, and sometimes life feels shaky. Sometimes life feels unstable. Um, sometimes it feels unsure. But we know, and if there's one thing we can take from Romans, is that through God's Word and through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have a firm foundation if we are in Christ. It reminds me of Matthew 7. We studied this uh, last year when Jesus said these words. He said um, in Matthew 7, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus knew we needed a firm foundation, and Jesus was and is our firm foundation. Where do we go? Where do we go to find hope? Where do we go to find stability? We sometimes trust in our bank account, or we trust in our connections, or our comfort, or whatever else we might trust in. But what does verse 25 say again in Romans 16? Look at your Bible again. Now to myself, who is able to establish me. Is that what it says? No. Now to who? To him. Who is able? Who is able? Who has the power? Who has the ability to bring about this stability in our lives? It's the only wise God, as Paul calls him. Nothing else truly can. I want to encourage you this morning to stop looking everywhere else for hope. And understand true lasting hope is in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you three ways to do that. Three ways in, the, in this verse that God establishes us. Three things God uses, and they're, and they're really the same thing, and I'm just going to divide it into three. It's the things he uses us, according to Paul, to establish us in the faith. The first one is the gospel. Now, verse 25 again, to him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel. Why do you think the Apostle Paul called it my gospel? Was it about him? It wasn't about him, was it? It was the gospel he had been given to share. But his gospel was actually the Apostle's gospel, and it was actually the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel message, and, and I love this definition of the gospel, it is the good news that God saved sinners through Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news that God saves sinners through Jesus Christ. And if you've learned nothing else from the book of Romans, you should have learned a little bit about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, especially those first 11 chapters, the gospel saturates this book. And we've seen the depth of it, haven't we? we we've seen in chapter 1 how we are, in chapter 3, how we're sinners. We've seen in chapter 1 how God's wrath must be poured out on sinners like us. But we've also seen how Jesus, at just the right time, died and gave his life for sinners like us, that if we would believe in him, 
we would have everlasting life. That is the gospel message, and I hope that we, I hope you don't just think of the gospel as information, but that you understand the gospel brings about transformation. It is words, and it is truth that is not meant just to be learned. The gospel is meant to be embraced and held on to and believed, and I hope we do that. What's Romans 1.16 say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. If you know the gospel only as information, then you've never truly experienced what that gospel is all about. Because when we believe and we receive that good news from Christ, it changes our lives. It changes us. You cannot... And you will not be firmly established in the faith, nor have any godly stability in your life if you've not embraced this gospel. I think there are many people, even churchgoers, who have embraced intellectually that there is a Jesus, he existed, maybe even that he died on the cross, but who've yet to say, I forsake myself and I receive that Jesus. That person, I receive him as my Savior and Lord. If that's you this morning, I ask you and beg you to look to Jesus, who is our only Savior. You must do these things. Let's look at the second one. Uh, I'll go on here. It's the second part. He says, through the gospel, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. The second way God establishes us there is through the preaching about Christ. We must never get it confused. When we come together here as a church, there's one main person. It's not the pastor, by the way. It's Jesus Christ, right? He is the one we worship. He's the one we sing to. He's the one we serve. He is our all in all. And so we want to make sure we don't get that confused. The central part of the gospel, Paul says, is, the, is according to the preaching of Jesus Christ. I, I want to make sure, and I, we say this often, but... We must never make the gospel or, or our salvation about ourselves. We must never say, well, I'm a pretty spiritual person. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I prayed to receive Jesus. Or, you know what? I was baptized. I did a pretty good job getting baptized. Or, or I joined a church. It took a lot of guts, but I joined the church. You know, We must never put that emphasis on self. We must understand we're only saved because of who God is, who Christ is. We're only saved by that way. It's not about our own spiritual strength. It's not about our own decisions, our own will. It's about the will of God who saves his people. That's who it's about. Someone asked me a few days ago, about three days ago, I think it was. Was it Thursday? They asked me, what do you believe about God and, and how he saves people? And I said, here's one thing I believe. That the decisive factor in my salvation is God, not me. And that goes for all of us. Because if I was the decisive factor in being saved, guess what? I would never be saved. Because I'm a sinner, ruined by sin, dead in sin, enemy of God. I would never choose God if he did not first choose me. We must remember, though, this work comes through the work of Christ. From start to finish, it's, salvation is a work of God, and it comes through the preaching of Jesus Christ. 
How about John 14, 6? Jesus famously said these words, I am the way. Y'all read that with me. Can you see it up there? Read that with me. Ready? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is unique. He's unique. He is one of a kind. There's, there is none like him. I, I've heard stories, and you have too, probably reading history, and where people claim to be the Messiah. Isn't that insane? When people claim to be Jesus or claim to be God, I'm like, that person has lost it. They're claiming to be God. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Christ. And he's the one that the Bible preaches about, and he's the one that we, we give our lives to. No one compares. In any gospel or any church that will minimize Christ to maximize anything else is wrong. Any gospel that minimizes Christ should be thrown away because it's not the gospel. Any church that minimizes Christ should be rebuked because it's not doing what it's supposed to do. Those are just perversions of the gospel, perversions of, of Christ. We're established by the gospel message. The gospel message is central. Christ is central to that message. And look at the third one. Um, he says here, there is a mystery of the gospel. What's that mean? Look at verse 25 again. According to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world Begin, begin. What, what does that mean? What's the mystery of the gospel? Because we understand what the gospel is. So why does he say here it's a mystery? Well, let me give you some other scripture to think about. It's Colossians 1, 24 through 27. Uh, look at this with me. It says, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now watch this verse. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Leave that there for a second. God unraveled the mystery of the gospel, and there's the answer, the last line here. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The mystery, and, and we're going to see this here in a moment, from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the Bible to, to now, right, and to the end of the Bible, God unwraps. It's like a present, right? We've got Christmas coming up. You ever do those presents where you have like, you open it and it's another box inside? Oh, great. You open that box, it's another box inside. And finally at the end, you hopefully get to a gift. You ever had those kind of presents? Just me? Okay, a few people have. Okay. It's kind of what the Bible is. It's this mystery being open. You open one box. You might open the box of Genesis chapter 3, the, the box of Ab uh, Adam sinning, right? And you continue to open boxes. You get to, you get to Noah where God destroys the world with a flood, but what does he do? He saves some people. It's a picture, isn't it, of the gospel. You might get to Genesis 12 and see Abraham. You open another box, and you see Abraham being called by God, and, he, and God says, your people are going to be a blessing to all people. It's a picture of what will happen eventually through Christ. And on and on, the Exodus, when God brings the people from slavery in Egypt, it's another box being opened. And that picture of that, especially that Passover, right, is a picture of the gospel that will one day happen.
But God just continually through Scripture unwraps this mystery until we get to the New Testament and we see Jesus come. And the mystery kind of comes in, in completeness, right? Through Jesus' person and through his, his death and his resurrection. And so the mystery is now known. And the mystery is Christ comes and lives in us and gives us hope. That's our hope. That's our stability is that Jesus lives in us through his Holy Spirit. Two things this enables us to do, and this is very simple. This is nothing that some of you don't already know, but it allows us to, number one, deny our natural strengths and abilities to say, I can't serve God on my own, I can't be saved on my own, and to rely wholly on Jesus' strength and ability. I do think, and I kind of already said this once, even amongst so-called Christians and church members, there is a real danger of people who are deep down trusting in their own strengths and abilities and not truly grasping onto Jesus. If you're holding anything else other than Christ as your salvation, then you must let that go and embrace Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Look at Romans 16, 26. But has now been made manifest or disclosed, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all the nations for the obedience of faith. God has, as I said, revealed, verse 26, he's made manifest, he's made known, he's opened the gifts, if you will, of the gospel through the preaching of the, the scriptures. He's done it so that all nations, we see, the, uh, we see here God's heart for all people. God is not only concerned with, watch this, God's not only concerned with blessing America or saving people in America. God is concerned with saving people from all nations, tribes, and tongues. And watch, he will do that. He will save people from all different groups. That's what God cares about. And if that's God's heart, that should, all, should also be our heart, right? That's why we do missions here. And we have missionaries in the Philippines and, and other places, not only here, but we believe God, the gospel is meant to go out to all people. The next thing he says there is not only to all nations, but according to the commandment of the everlasting God. And just quickly there, it's, it's according to him. It's God's command that this gospel would be revealed and that this gospel would be proclaimed through all people. Then he says, for the obedience of faith. God's desire is that more and more people, as he calls them, will follow him in faith and obedience. Then he goes to verse 27. This is just a do doxology. It's just a praise, right? To the only wise God. Be glory, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. I love just kind of a, the simplicity of that final verse in, in a way that he just says, I'm just going to end this writing with glory be to God. Glory be to him. As we conclude our study of this letter, I, was, I had a few ideas and a couple of them kind of fell through, but... What I want to do is conclude by reading you some of the key passages from Romans. And I've kind of just grabbed some and put them together. And I want you just to listen as intently as you possibly can, as prayerfully as you possibly can, to 
a few of these key passages from Romans and let these things just kind of flood your heart, I hope, with, I hope with uh, stability and strength and hope and peace and all the things that God would have for us. And so I think most of these will be up there on the screen. Let's listen to uh, Romans. First, we have chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Next, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of that is to be revealed to us. And we know that God works all things together for good for those who love God and for those who have been called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son 
And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who will condemn us? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who sits at the right hand of God, interceding for us even now. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Shall persecution or famine? Shall nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen and amen. Let's pray.